Welcome to the Green Divas Radio Show. You're on with Green Diva Meg. And Green Diva Lynn. The crowd cheered. (laughs) So, we have, as always, a very busy, wonderful show with a lot of interesting topics, including our feature with uh, the food babe. Absolutely. Vani Hari, she's talking about her book, and I mean, she's out there... You know, really leading the charge in changing some of the food industry paradigms, right? Yeah, she's absolutely a change agent in that arena. That's a good way to describe her. And then we have this really cool green dude. He's new to us, and I love the way he describes himself. Lynn, I think you have it in front of you. Uh, Yeah, in his bio, he says he's a lifelong student of special places and fan of people of all stripes. I love that. People of all stripes and special places. And he is an interesting it. cat. The topic is why sustainability sucks. And it's <laughs> probably not what you think. So just listen up for that because it's, it's, it's a good segment. And there will be a post, and of course. Yeah, of course there will be. And then Shauna Coronado, you introduced me to her. She's a gardener, photographer. Green lifestyle author. Yes. And she calls herself an on-camera wild woman on her Twitter Don't you page. love that? <laughs> uh, that's TEDx a, speaker. I love how people describe themselves. And sometimes I have liked people on Twitter just because of the way they describe themselves. Right. Like anybody who calls themselves. I'm going to have to fix up my description of myself. Yeah. Are we sexy? I don't know. Or you know what I mean? Fun, different, sexy. It's a whole different topic. Anyway, (laughs) Earth Matters this week is um, an interesting one about a pipeline break in Arkansas. Right. From Exxon. So it's topical. It's timely. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Speaking of pipelines, I'm just going to throw this out there because it started a poop storm on my Facebook page yesterday. Was it sheep poop? Yeah, yeah, right. That's from our little icon. I love those things on Skype. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, there was a petition going around to just make sure that President Obama vetoes this Keystone XL pipeline for those of us who really don't think it's, you know, beneficial. In fact, who think it might be just downright awful. Um, anyway, and it started this kind of like 60-comment war Frankly, I wasn't even involved in it. These two guys and, and, and this one other woman were jumping in, and I was like, wow, boys, boys. And um, Yeah, I know. That can happen. That happened to me last week with a post I did about uh, somebody that was aghast when I said I hadn't had a pedicure in <laughs> three to four months. That's right. A little different, right. but. Yeah, no, but that it's interesting because you never really know. Sometimes you put stuff like that out there, nobody says anything. It's like, you know. Um, hello, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, something as simple as, you know, I, I sign this petition can start like, wow. But, you know, it was kind of interesting because it was an intelligent debate for the most part. It wasn't just like, you're a jerk, blah, blah, blah. It was actually some interesting stuff. But um, anyway, I digress. Meanwhile, you have been getting uh, flying therapy. I got flying therapy once. That was yesterday. I think that's kind of cool. I'll fill you in more on that. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but um, I'm working up to a post. Oh, okay. All right, then. So we'll save that for... The guy Rich in the Chicago area. And it doesn't have to do with fear of flying. 
No, it does not. Rich Karzanowski surprised me with this particular therapy. I did not know what was going to be involved. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of let go and let it happen. Yeah. Well, I'm I, I'm really curious to learn more. And so that sounds like a, a Green Diva's Health and Beauty segment mm-hmm. coming on. Absolutely. Not in this episode. And you're also getting really active locally with uh, some GMO labeling uh, stuff with yeah, the, the, G- or the uh, Food and Water Watch uh, in the in Illinois is really pushing um, for GMO labeling. It's is happening all around the country, but we've got a grassroots effort here trying to influence uh, a senator, Senator Duffy. To he's kind of on the fence about it, so oh, we're trying okay. to push him over to our side. Good and um, try to be a leader in the country if. Because Illinois is one of the largest, if not the largest, not sure which one it is, agricultural state. So it's really pretty critical here, and we're hoping if if we can get it passed, that other states will follow the lead. So keep your fingers crossed that we're able to make it happen. Excellent, good I know, work. It's pretty exciting. Good work. So GD people Lynn. in Illinois, check out my Facebook page because I have petitions listed there all the time. Go Green Diva Lynn, go Illinois. So I just want to also mention buygreen.com, your trusted source for all things green and sustainably made, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's for home, office, family, whatever, yard. um, You can go to the Green Divas page and it's go to the marketplace, right? Green Divas, thegreendivas.com backslash market. Right on. Is it market or marketplace? Marketplace. No. Thank you. And yeah, we it... know our own website. <laughs> <laughs> We're only there like every second of the day. I know. Well, listen, you got a lot of listen, a lot of listening to do, people. So enjoy the rest of the show. Great stuff coming your way. When you hear the words Exxon and oil spill in the same sentence, the first thing that comes to mind is the Exxon Valdez spill in Alaska. But this time, the oil spill wasn't in our 49th state, but in a neighborhood in Arkansas. More after this. Everyone wants to be a part of the green movement, and that's a great thing. Going green takes on a whole new meaning when you add tall grass beef to your family's dinner table. It's tender and juicy, and since the cattle graze on the natural grasslands of Kansas, it's also loaded with essential fatty acids and omega-3s that regular grain-fed beef lacks. It's good for you and your family and good for the earth. For more information and to order Tallgrass Beef online, go to www.tallgrassbeef.com. Mayflower is northwest of Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's known for quiet streets and close-knit neighbors. So imagine the reaction in this all-American city when a buried oil pipeline burst, gushing gallons of toxic crude oil onto the lawns and streets. The pipeline that ruptured was put in the ground in the 1940s, and while Exxon is busy trying to clean up the mess and restore the area, the question of how this spill happened is under investigation. The bigger question perhaps is not why it happened, but when it will happen again, and where. I'm Bill Curtis, and Earth Matters. Every Green Diva needs a sidekick. At the Green Divas radio show, they're called Green Dudes. Time now for a deeper shade of green from a guy's perspective.
Well, I'm excited today to be talking to a guy who describes himself, which, I mean, he's got many wonderful descriptions, including being a green tech specialist and a site performance specialist. Uh, But the best description is fan of people and special places. Hey, Jesse Howley, how are you? I'm great. How are you today, Green Diva? Green I just, Diva Meg? I, yes, Green Diva Meg. And yeah. I just love that fan of people and special places. It's so cool. Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, you know, I've spent uh, the best part of my career trying to make those connections uh, between people and, and places. And, uh, you know, it's really a cool thing when, when uh, someone just kind of lights up and they, they kind of get an understanding and they, yeah. And they gain a, an idea of stewardship over a, over a place. It's a lot of fun. It is. Now, we have an interesting topic today. Sure. Um, and, and I love it. And we're going to talk about why you think the word sustainability sucks. And I'm, I'm really yep. looking forward to this. So let, yep. let it rip. Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, words have power. Uh, you know, they're, they're meaningful. And just like in the title of, of you know, when we were talking about what we're going to do, it, you know, why the word sustainability sucks. That word sucks has a, has a real power. <laughs> and, um, I mean, they do. They're important. Words are important. They're part of, um, you know, drawing a picture of what you're talking about. And that word sustainability has been bugging me for years. Um, <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Yeah, it, it just, it's meaningless. And uh, let me... Let me illustrate. Now, you know, that word obviously has been around for a long time. It's been part of the English language for a long time. But, um, you know, the, uh, the publication, Our Common Future, um, yes. the World Commission on Environment and Development, is that in 1987, it's commonly, commonly known as the Brumpman Report. And it's the one that really um, kind of solidified the definition of sustainability that all of us in the green world know, you know, it's meeting the needs of today without sacrificing the the ability of future generations to meet their own needs, right? Right. Kind of the, the common definition of sustainability. And that was in 1987 um, that they did that. And, you know, it, people latched onto it pretty quickly. Um, and I think because that concept of, uh, as, a, as a big concept, I think is a good one. Um, you know, so from that perspective, the word doesn't suck. I think it's a, I think it's a good concept. <laughs> You know, you know, we need to we need to have that sense of intergenerational equity that, um, you know, it's important. Yeah. Um, but when you take a look, you know, that that concept has developed so since then, since that time, since 87 into, you know, the three pillars of sustainability and the triple bottom line approach. Um, and now, uh, you know, the U.N. uses this thing called circles of sustainability. Oh, OK. Um, that goes beyond the three pillars. That they actually have four um, circles. Oh my! That are yeah, economics, ecology, culture, and politics, and um, and there are seven subheadings underneath each of those. Yeah, it's complicated, uh, right? Need like it's a diagram and uh, someone to interpret. Yeah, it's very complicated. And you know, in fact, I was looking at the I was looking at Wikipedia. You know. It's, everybody's go-to encyclopedia these days. Right. And let me read you this. This, this kind of hits my point to how this word really has lost meaning. 
I'm going to read you a sentence from uh, the scale and context section here. And it goes like this um, regarding sustainability. The focus ranges from the, totaling, from the total carrying capacity of planet Earth to the sustainability of economic sectors, ecosystems, countries, municipalities, neighborhoods, home gardens, individual yeah. lives, individual goods and services, occupations, lifestyles, behavior patterns, and so on. In short, it can entail the full compass of biological and human activity or any part of it. <laughs> so pretty much everything. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, essentially the word's useless. Um, it really, you know, it has become this um, this kind of go-to word. It's one of those things that, you know. I have a story about this word. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Years ago, I was publishing a magazine. I started in 1990, thereabouts. And that was when I first saw the word sustainability used in conjunction with sort of this um, – green, you know, living. It was about building as if the earth mattered. I think that was the title of the story. And I just kind of kept pondering it. And then when I started publishing again in 2006, it kept coming up again and again. And I actually used it in my tagline for a long time. I don't know if I still do. Anyway, but, but what we started to do was ask everybody, what does sustainability mean to you? Because I was convinced that everybody had a different definition. Like, yes, there is that sort of baseline uh, definition you spoke of um, earlier, but what I found was that everybody had a different answer because it depended yep. on where they are in their lives. Like if they're doing children, they got little yep. babies, they're like, wow, sustainability is you know all about you know kids and making sure the earth is there for mm -hmm. kids, or that there's non-toxic uh, you know cleaning supplies so my kids aren't crawling in it, or maybe it's about energy. Maybe you're really focused on money. It really depends on who you're asking and yep. when. Yep. I, I agree. And, and as such, it kind of loses all its it, – it loses any meaning. It kind of falls apart. And I guess, you know, it's kind of like um, I was asking my wife, you know, hey, can you think of a term that is kind of equally as um, meaningless? <laughs> and and she, came up, she came up with one that I thought is – not perfect, but it's as, it's as good as we could come up with. And it's like, it, say, for instance, somebody calls me a sustainability specialist, right? Right. What does that mean? That means, about as, that means about as much as me saying I'm a technician. Yeah. Of what kind? You could be like a you know, exactly. refrigerator technician, you know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, a nuclear reactor technician, you know. I mean, it's, right, right. It really... It's it right really, up there with consultant consultant yeah, oh my god there's a word right? that you know being i had a marketing agency for years and there were so many consultants i'm a marketing consultant like what does yep. that mean what do you do yeah 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 and you know and so you know people the, the kind of follow-up question you know whenever i get off on a rant about you know <laughs> how terrible that word is, is the follow-up question inevitably is okay well mr smarty pants what do you suggest right yeah. And, yeah. And you know, at first it kind of took me aback and, and my kind of canned answer was, Hey, look, it's gonna take people a lot smarter than me to figure that out. <laughs> um <laughs> Wiseacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I I think that we need to search for more meaning in those words and I think that it's just lazy to fall back on sustainability. And I think it's moving beyond that and trying to put a thing on exactly what it is that we're talking about.
Right, whether it's permaculture or sustainable food systems, maybe. It's it's, yeah. it's how you gang it up with other words, maybe, partially? Yeah, well, per, yeah, exactly. I think you need, if you're going to use it, like I said, it's a fine concept, but you've got to qualify it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's like the Sustainable Sites Initiative is a, is a certification body for landscape design. Oh, okay. Um, and landscape development. And, you know, they look at site sustainability. And right. I think that's fine. That's a fine qualifier. And that, again, kind of site performance and site sustainability. It's very um, specific. Yes, it's very specific. You know, going back to that circles of sustainability, you know, you know, looking at the, the 28 different uh, possibilities in this, you know, you have like um, under culture, you have recreation and creativity is one of the, right. you know, and then under economics, you have um, accounting and regulation. And I mean, those two couldn't be any more polar opposite. Yeah, you and really yet, need to provide context. Yes, Exactly. Exactly, and yet they all fall under this umbrella of sustainability. Yeah, and it you know one one more little rant to add in there, and is that sure. it can lend itself to greenwashing because anybody oh, no doubt can say, well, we're working on sustainability. We've got a sustainability, and I'm like, sustain what? Sustain your profits? Sustain yep. the earth? You know, sustain your customer awareness? I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, I, you know, I did. Just kind of, you know, because I wanted to see, you know, how how the internet looked at this, and I pulled up. There's this tag Exito. I don't know if you've ever seen this website, but you can. It'll do a word cloud from oh Google yeah, which is really cool. And you know, and on there, it's you know, it has a lot of a lot of the uh, what what we think is um, environmental responsibility, yeah, biological. Um, but then there's things like the Dow index and right. you know so well because again, you know to, to to certain financial people the sustainability sure. of the Dow is extremely important <laughs> it, well it is it is and you know so that's where I think like you're a green diva and I think that is I think that is remarkably um, remarkably creative and descriptive yeah um, it is yeah if not a, if not a bit um <laughs> well, it depends. It's meant in tongue in cheek. It's anybody that knows me is. knows I'm not a diva and it's sort of a joke. But you know, <laughs> well, of course it, it is. can be it it can misconstrued like anything. You know. Yeah. No, but I I like it. I mean, I think that's you know that's the type of thing where I think you know we need to in our communications in our um, yeah in our writing and in our emails we need to use those type of words. Um, and not be afraid of them. You know, don't be bullied into into right. thinking that they're bad in any way. Or you know, you, be descriptive and, and use them. Well, yeah, and you know, green is another one. Like you know, green is a yep. color. It's also meant yep. for cash. I mean, you know, there's like a thousand different things. And people said maybe you should get rid of the name green and diva. And I'm like, no. You know what? It just is what it is. People know what I mean, and I'm not doing. <laughs> I agree, but that's the point, right? People know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, people know what you mean. Oh, well, that's I... Where, Go ahead. Yeah, and that's where sustainability sucks, because nobody knows what the hell you mean. Right, so we're just saying, people, use the word sustainability responsibly. <laughs> you know, if you're going to use it, be descriptive. Give us context. Let us know what you really mean. 
practice responsible sustainability. Oh, my God. I love it. We've got a new thing going. I see a hashtag. I see a ha- long hashtag coming up. Sustainable responsibility. No, something. I don't know. Anyway, we have to run, but I'm so glad we connected, Jesse. And um, how can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, you can visit my website. It's at mygreensite.com. It's mygreensite.com. Cool. Uh, that's my business. All right. And I hope you'll come back again and we'll rant about something else fun. That would be great. I love it. Want more information on this Green Dude segment and other ideas for low-stress green living? Go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Wishing you had a green thumb or want to learn more about sustainable gardening outdoors and in? Expert green divas and dude gardeners share tips for everything from composting to growing herbs in your kitchen. Listen to the Green Divas Green Thumb for low-stress gardening tips. Well, you know, we have this next guest who is bringing just a little bit of extra spring and sunshine to the studio on this snowy winter's day. (laughs) Shauna Coronado is a, she's a green living evangelist. I love that term. She's a gardener. She's a community gardener. She's um, an author of many books about gardening and green living. And hi, Shauna. How are you? Hi. I am fantastic. You forgot Troublemaker with a capital T. (laughs) (laughs) We love our Green Diva Troublemakers. You are right, right on board. So, yeah, this is great timing because I love talking. I went to your website, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Shauna Coronado. Dot com, right? Yes, Okay, correct. just checking. And and I was watching the video of your, you have a drone kind of video view of your gardens, and I'm like, oh, oh, I just want to be there. <laughs> well, that that shows you that it, I, I wanted to show my readers, like they all, I do these individual stories on how to garden. Let me learn how to plant a tomato or how to plant a marigold or, or what have you. But no one has really seen the total garden yeah. altogether. So the drone, I, I met a drone man, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, he said, I, I begged him to come out and film with me. He's like, sure. So he came out and we spent a day and really filmed the entire garden, the 360 view, so that people could see uh, exactly what it is I'm doing and get a better idea of, of the level of gardening I'm doing. You know, the, the reality is, is that, uh, people see a giant garden and they're like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. Yeah. And what I'm saying is you can do it. it. It's not that hard. You can just do one thing at a time. You don't have to have a giant garden all at once. Well, I would love some coaching because yeah. I'm I'm what they call a lazy gardener. There's actually a book called The Lazy Gardener, which I <laughs> like, okay, that's it. They, they've got a term <laughs> for it. Um, you know, I love getting things going. And then somewhere in August, I'm like, ugh, I don't want to talk to another weed. I don't want to deal with anything mm-hmm. else. Um, so I need a little coaching. Maybe in August, uh, you, you'll coach me. <laughs> I'll give you a coach. That's when the time is to start planting a winter garden. There yeah. is a such like vegetables, for instance, the coal crops that are cold winter that are really focused on uh, a hardy thing. It's what you would grow for soups and, yeah. the, you know, that 
the cabbages and the late kale and that sort of thing. And so, you know, we grow, you can grow anything year-round. There's an amazing gardener named Nikki Jabour, and she's written written many books as well. And she just spoke to me about how she's growing carrots over winter by using one of those little boxes with a window on top. Yeah, right. Right? So she grows year-round. She goes out and harvests her carrots, brings it in. It's middle of winter. And it works. And, you know, back in the day, you know, we're talking before World War II. Right. We grew in the United... Everyone had a garden. You had to because we didn't have the modern-day groceries that we have right right now. Right. Now, the the advantage of that is that most of the crops that people were growing, of course, were organic, which is incredibly healthy for the family. Yeah. And uh, with the modernization of agriculture, yes. which translates into chemicals and yeah. chemical production and, uh, you know, weed chemicals and fertilizers and all this stuff, we did increase the production of plants. But my question is, at what cost? Yeah, what's the quality, right? Mm-hmm. All so about quantity. I, I hope, exactly. For quantity, we got less quality. And my, my view of this is that, if we can get people to just start growing one thing, you know, grow a kale plant for Pete's sake, grow it on your balcony, just something. Okay. It's better than nothing at all, and will introduce your family to fresh vegetables that are organic. Yeah, I could, you know, I, I could do, I had kale two years ago on my deck, and I did have it way into December at least. And Oh, exactly. Uh, no, I just went out and grabbed a couple leaves, throw them in my smoothie in the morning, hello. Yeah, delicious. My favorite use for kale is you slice it up really thin, you saute it with onions, it takes two seconds, and then you throw in a couple eggs on top of that. Oh. And I scramble it for breakfast. Yum. It's really yummy. That is a great idea. Okay. So, yes. so you... Delicious all the way around. And, and, and you're incorporating green, helping people all, who are already gardening green up their garden a bit. Like, for instance, I saw that you had, like, vertical lettuce. Is that what that oh, was? Oh, here's the latest thing. I This year, in fact, in just another couple of weeks, I have a book coming out. It's called Grow a Living Wall. It'll be released Ooh. at the end of February. And here's the excitement about it. I was standing at a garden center holding a 24-inch by 7-inch window box. And it occurred to me that this is a little over a square foot. I'm, I'm doing the math. I got my calculator on my phone <laughs> out. And I was like, you know, is this a square foot or isn't it? And, you know, square foot gardening is like the most popular gardening ever. And the square foot gardener guy, uh, Mel, published this wonderful book on square foot gardening. It was like the number one seller of all time. This is a concept not based on square foot gardening, but based on the the idea of gardening in a smaller space. Right. So in less than a square foot, you can grow up to 40 plants, maybe more. Wow. I know. And it's all vertical. So if you it, essentially you're stacking window boxes on top of one another. Okay. You can buy a system or yep. you can make it yourself okay. if you if you have no budget for it, right? You could go make your own. Yeah. And then you start growing this way. Now, people are concerned because their theory is is that when you raise plants up, they dry out more because of the wind. Okay, so it's going to take more water or something. Yeah, there's a certain truth. Exactly. What I do is I make a super heavy planting soil mix. I combine traditional potting soil with compost and rotted manure so that the soil is really heavy. Yeah. And then it survives droughts 
conditions very well. Okay. Like it, it, I've grown everything on a vertical wall. The only thing I haven't grown, like an indeterminate tomato is a huge tomato. It grows to six feet and higher, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not going to fit in that. What, what My suggestion for a living wall, pollinators and flowering plants, uh, vegetables that would be uh, leafy vegetables and smaller vegetables and also things on vines that can grow off the side. Okay, so and like cucumbers or melons? Exactly. Cucumber do, does Beans, great. Yeah, right. the, yeah, exactly. Okay. They're perfect for it. And then, of course, herbs. And herbs are huge because yeah. you can plant a small vertical wall garden. We're talking, you know, just a little tiny thing outside your door. And it's like this therapeutic thing on your balcony. It smells delicious. Yes. You can get a little bit off. I've been making lots of cocktails from all my herbs. I'm like an herb nut, <laughs> and it's delicious. And it's also a place, that thing of scent power in a garden really adds a lot to it. If you let your herbs flower, yeah. what happens with that is it becomes a pollinator-attracting yes. garden. Yes, yes. I do that with, so, I have this huge mint bed uh, which uh, it's mint and oregano, and they fight for it, but they manage oh. okay. And yeah, um, yeah, and I just let it go to seed, and the the bees love it. Love it. Bees love oregano. You just chose two of the biggest pollinators, uh, mint and oregano. Another really good one is it's called globe basil, and it has this tiny white flower that, for whatever reason, bees adore. And okay. so it's a good one. Butterflies too, actually. Yes. And so I have this weird and fantastical dream that <laughs> cities throughout the United States could build pollinator corridors yes. through the city. And living walls would be the absolutely easiest way to do that. I and love so it. I hope, I hope that this takes off because uh, the idea of being able to do social good with the gardens, not just grow gardens just for food, but right. to do something extraordinary with them, which you can. Well, helping and, pollinators, educating people, creating mm-hmm. just greener, healthier, uh, vibrant energy, right, you know, for, for a city or urban setting, right? Exactly. Now, and that's my goal. I love it. Okay, we're in. We're going to help with this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do it in my town. But first, I had this fantasy of doing, you know, I see all these thousand ways to use a palette and i know that some palettes are soaked in yucky stuff but i have some palettes i got a couple of years ago my husband's on board we're ready we're, we're ready we're ready to set okay. these things up so what I, my idea was because of course you know you can't just throw dirt in there there's too much gap so i was thinking of getting that black garden paper and like yes. stapling yeah, it like- and making like little um you know, little holding uh, holes. Okay, so it's so funny that you've said this because inside the Living Wall book, I teach people how to make a pallet garden. Well, there you go. You, yeah, that's vertical, utilizing the black landscape fabric. Oh, okay. As so I'm able to do it. I just I came up with that all by myself. I feel really, really good about and myself. You're a genius, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm not much of a gardener, really. I mean, I kind of make it up as I go along, so I feel pretty good. Yeah, you did good. Uh, my only concern is what you expressed earlier. Yes. That um, there is a risk with planting vegetables specifically in a pallet garden. Or something you're going to eat. You have to yeah. know. So, so the solution for that, finding pallets, is when you're selecting a pallet, 
it's always important to know where it's manufactured. If you don't know where it's manufactured, seriously, don't plant a vegetable in it. Right, because it could be sprayed with all kinds of nasty, ugly chemicals. Because when those pellets come in from China, they just spray them with everything or whatever. Well, not only that. The United States federal government requires that all pallets be sprayed with certain chemicals because of the insect invasion that happens when they don't. Uh, and so yeah. it is the federal government's requirement. So I make sure that I know exactly, you know, where that pallet is from before I do something where I might grow vegetables, something edible, or I might be touching it. Yeah. You know, like some people are making these pallets into their bed. Yeah. And I yeah. say, don't do that. Yeah, no. that's not a not a wise move. No. Uh, I, so be very cautious about what palette. Now, you can also, some palettes have a special mark on it uh, that shows that it, it's lower in chemicals. Interesting. And, um, and I don't know what the details of that. You have to look it up yeah. online because, well. but it, you know, there are others. So do some research before you get a pallet. So this is a little project we could get involved with while we're waiting for spring, that and planting some seeds indoors, which I'm going to do with my grandbabies. And I always – they're not babies. They're three and four. Okay, whatever. Well, um, they're babies. <laughs> um, to me, they are. But I, last year I made newspaper, which, again, I don't love because of the ink and whatever, but I got over it. I got over myself because it was really super easy and fun. I mean, little newspaper pots. Or I used toilet paper rolls to make, you know, mm-hmm. cut them in half. All of those, they're all green choices without a doubt. And what, what other ideas do you have for starting seeds inside that maybe will help us? Um, you know what I use is, it depends on how sensitive you are to plastic use, but I've used them before. I get these rotisserie chickens from Costco. Oh, yeah. And I love the rotisserie chickens there. They're huge, and they're four ninety nine. <laughs> so you can't beat the deal. But what I'm left with is all these leftover plastic containers. Yeah. So I save them up, and they have built-in domes. Oh, yeah. So as a starting tool, they're a perfect starting tool if you, again, if plastic is not a concern for you. Uh, I I have no problem using them. And other people are like, seriously, you must not ever touch plastic for the rest of your life. Yeah. I find that to be um, unreasonable, and I want to mention that. Yeah. I am, without a doubt, an organic. I, I eat as many. We have organic eggs. I do everything I can that yeah. is as organic as possible. However, the realism in our modern-day society is I don't feel that I can go 100% organic because everything is assailing us, attacking us, you know, with plastics and everything else. So I try to do, if I am going to use the plastic, make it BPA-free and food available, you know, something that would be food safe. Food safe, Mm -hmm. Not that you can trust all of those labels necessarily, but at least it's a step in the right direction and we mitigate the best way we can. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Is that you do the best job you possibly can, knowing uh, that there are consequences for all our actions. Uh, I, one of the simple things I did in my household, which is it, it's kind of related to garden in a small way, I used to use paper towels both in the garden and in my home. I would yeah. like use them to clean, to wash, to do everything. I stopped using paper towels entirely several years ago. Wow, I'm impressed. Uh, to, I have to tell you, it was really hard. Like, it took me a year. I felt like I I felt like I was missing something because I used them for everything. 
Um, the only time we use napkins, my, my husband works and he drives on the road a lot. So if he stops at a fast food place, yeah. he saves the napkins and doesn't throw them out. Right. And then we might reuse those for yep. something. But I, I really don't use paper towels in my life. Huge improvement. And I feel like that it's one small thing, but it makes me feel like I've done something. So that's my advice. Wow. Well, Try you know, to change one thing. Well, I, I still have paper towels, but I only buy recycled and... I have like probably a hundred dish towels. They're ratty, but I love them. And the rattier, the more absorbent. So I have them hanging in those uh, produce baskets Mm -hmm. right next to my sink so that I can just grab one really quick. Uh, But I still use uh, a few paper towels from time to time when there's like, you know, cat puke involved or something. Yes, or meat juice. Somebody said, what do you do with your meat juice? Mm -hmm. Well, meat juice is a category for the uh, fast food napkins we have stored in the kitchen. There you go. So we don't waste them. So it's it's, uh, a rare thing that I even use them, to be frank. I I really uh, was concerned about that. So pick one thing that you are concerned about and then make sure that's the thing you attack and try to eliminate from your life. Well, and what I'm finding, and I love that approach when we take that approach, because what I find is people do it, it becomes fun sometimes, they get the family involved, it's a challenge, and then they're like, oh man, that's not so bad. They feel good about, sometimes there's statistics that help you understand how much, how many trees you're saving, for instance. Um, and I know there is a statistic, but it's not in my brain cell. I know Green Diva that's Lynn huge. posted something, it's- and it is a Astonishing. Yes, it's but, astonishing. You know, so people like then they're like, oh, okay. Well, then let me try this too. And then before you know it, they're they're doing a handful of really impactful green things, and where you know they just never thought they would. Exactly, and that's that's the key is just getting started. In fact, that was the hardest thing for me when how this all started in my life is I left a job that was a sales and marketing sort of role and uh, in bitterness and anger, you know, one of those deals. And, <laughs> and I came home, I'm riding home on the train and I call my husband, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm never working in the corporate environment again. I'm not sure where I'm going. Well, I was taking over a dozen prescriptions a day because of all the, the stress-related health issues, my allergies, all these problems. Well, I started gardening and doing garden design because I had been writing a newspaper column in the local newspaper on gardens. Uh And it was a hobby, and I took it a step farther. By the end of that summer, just from being outdoors so much, working outdoors and doing the design work, I had gone from taking over a dozen prescriptions down to two prescriptions a day. I felt so darn good. And that started this career, which was in inspiring people to go green, to think more about gardening and eating healthier. It was a genius accident that happened in my life that I'm really grateful for. I don't believe anything is an accident, but whatever you believe, I love that, you know, we try to, I try to stay open to those shifts around me that I think are bad that often turn out to be the best things. Exactly. How many... You know, a door, what is it, a door closes, a window opens. Well, I'm climbing through all kinds of damn windows. It's been fantastic. Well, Shauna, thank you so much, and let's talk again soon because we could probably talk a lot. um, For hours. uh, All day, apparently. (laughs) Um, I just love talking to you. I love your work. Everybody, please check out ShaunaCornado.com, and um, we'll talk to you soon, I hope. Awesome. Thanks for having me, and hello to everybody. 
please join me on my website, shawnacoronado.com. And if you have any questions, send me emails. I love personal contact with people, and I want to make a difference for them. Do it, people. Yay. Inspired to grow more organic stuff? We are. To learn more about this Green Diva's Green Thumb episode and all kinds of other great green information, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. The Green Divas get to talk to so many inspiring people who each in their own way is helping us find a deeper shade of green. Here's just one of them. Enjoy. Wow. Well, aren't we lucky to finally get a chance to catch up to this extremely busy and fabulous woman, Vani Hari, uh, food activist, author, and you know her best as Food Babe. Uh, Hi, hi, Vani. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. And, you know, we are big fans of Food Babe, thus Vani, and... um, like the work you're doing on, on behalf of us foodies and really on behalf of everybody. Uh, uh, you have the Food Babe Army. You have a book, The Food Babe Way. Your blog is just blasting through all of the noise on the Internet to share what's real and really calling out companies like Kraft and White Wave and some of our favorite brands that we think of like Chipotle – you know, taking them to task for what's what's real. So yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. So all right, I'll stop babbling here. And my first question is, how did you really get motivated to to begin the blog in 2011 and and get into becoming an activist? Well, it was definitely by accident. Um, it started with a really big passion for healthy living as a result of several health issues I had as a child in my early adulthood. You know, I've been through two surgeries in my life, been on several prescription drugs, had some of the worst health. I mean, I tell you, I was on antibiotics pretty much every year when I was little, not to mention steroids and all sorts of issues um, with my immune system and lungs and so many different things. I tell you, you know, there was a point where I just had enough and I was overweight, felt really horrible and decided to make a change. And when I did... Uh, the first thing I did was start to channel energy I'd learned in high school where I learned to be a debater. I was a top-tier ranked debater, <laughs> uh, nationally ranked debater. I was number one in state three years in a row. Isn't and, that – I just have to say, I was a debater, and um, I should have gone to law school, according to my parents, of course. But, um, yeah, I love debating, don't you? Oh, yeah. So fun, learning the affirmative and negative of, of different issues. So you really learn the truth, I think. When you start researching both sides of an issue, you learn the truth very, very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, and one year's topic was healthcare back in high school, and I used the information that I was learning and researching in these libraries where people do microfiche and journals and photocopying old newspaper articles, you know, to win debate rounds. But I wasn't really using that information for my own health, and I just kind of remembered how screwed up the healthcare system was and just started to start to research, you know, what are the healthiest things that I can put in my body? What's been, you know, what am I eating? What are these different chemical ingredients on the label? And what I found out was just very shocking. And it, and I couldn't shut up about it to tell you the truth. And I was just, <laughs> you know, 
um, not only did my whole life change, my whole body, the way I uh, live and the way I feel and the way I look, but my friends and my family saw this dramatic transformation as well. And they went, you know, they, they were used to the Bonnie that drank the Coke and ate the fast food and had candy in her, in her pocketbook all the time <laughs> to now a Bonnie that shunned all of that food and was like, you know, I want kale and I want organic green juice and yeah. I want to find the healthiest foods to eat out at restaurants if we go out to eat. And I'm going to order my food a certain way, and I'm going to bring my food with me when I travel. Um, And so they saw these very unconventional kind of way of life that I was living and wanted to know why. And so, you know, of course, I shared my knowledge with my (laughs) friends and my family, and some of my friends and family loved it. Some of them didn't, you know, I tell you, you know, my brother, you know, didn't like me going through his pantry and pointing out all the different uh, questionable ingredients and things like that. Oh, yeah. Shattering shattering people's illusions is a challenging, uh, you know, it's hard to do. Yeah, no, it really is. But I quickly realized the easiest way to do this and the way that my friends and my family asked me to, which was just to start a blog and to really just share my recipes, share what I'm learning about the food industry with other people on a blog. And I'd never, you know, uh, been an online type of person before. You know, I used obviously the internet, but I wasn't on social media, on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or anything before starting the blog. And so this was a whole new territory for me. And I was also working in a corporate world in a very corporate job of reporting to C-level executives. So this wasn't something that I really made known to my other life. So I was like living this double life for a very long time, yeah. you know, going to work during the day, working 60 hours a week, and then at night, you know, blogging and on the weekends, blogging and researching. And so um, initially I just started, you know, really just teaching people about, you know, what I was doing to work out and what I was eating and, and that kind of thing. And it really turned into something so much more because what I realized is that not only uh, was I hungry for this information when I started going through my changes, but there are so many other people out there that are starving for this information, that they were like me, um, you know, living life like a zombie on prescription drugs, not feeling the best they can possibly give yeah. uh, back to society, and and not feeling um, like they should be as human beings. And I tell you, when I look back and I think about how I used to feel and look, I mean, I really did feel like a zombie, and I just can't sit back and allow people to just do that to themselves if they don't know the truth. And right. So my passion has really grown much deeper in the last few years of starting this blog and realizing that just sharing information and telling the truth about what's happening in the food industry and, and asking the, the food companies to be more transparent and be more truthful and to be responsible with their yeah. ingredients yeah. Um, has been very, very rewarding for me because these companies are changing as a result. And it's not because of something I'm doing. It's something uh, everyone is doing. There is a movement out there that consists of this amazing army of people who, you know, I call the food babe army, the people who call the companies when they find out there's something wrong with their food or they um, they meet me at the company's headquarters to right. deliver petitions. They're the people who vote with their dollars no matter what at the grocery store and make sure that they're not only feeding their family the right food, but they're making their voice heard. And I am just so incredibly thankful for these people because these people are changing the food industry at an enormous rate, a much faster rate than was ever previously thought possible, I thought, when well, I first started 
blogging. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, there's a, not everybody, there's a large amount of people that argue about this free market system, like, okay, then, you know, supply, demand, if people start demanding change, it makes a difference in a free market system, and you are leading the charge. Um, You know, and, and I know that Every once in a while, things get controversial, and and I don't think you shy away from a good argument, being a debate girl and all. Um, <laughs> so I, I think Forbes even says that you know they I think they sort of called you fear mongering, you know, on some level. And I thought, oh come on, man. But I think you that know, um, it's it's really interesting because of the tactic of uh, uh, the science. A group that basically wants the food industry to stay the same. They want to keep creating these chemicals. I mean, who are we trusting? The food companies that are using these chemicals to make their food cheaper for them um, so they can make more profits? Or are we trusting the food chemists that come up with the food chemicals for the food companies? Or are we trusting our basic common sense right. and our own research and our, our better judgment about these food additives? I mean, there are Tons of studies that have allowed the other countries in this in this world to take a precautionary principle to say, you know what, there are. Uh oh. Go ahead. So in Europe, you know, they're taking a precautionary principle. They've looked at the studies and seen that there's not enough scientific data to say that these additives are safe. And in some cases, these additives cause issues in animals or other problems, uh, reproductive problems, or endocrine disrupting, or or, uh, or cancerous. And so all I'm asking is for us as individuals to hold our food companies accountable because they've been self-regulating for way too long. When the FDA was given authority to regulate food additives, I think it was around 800 food additives. Now there are over 10,000. Yeah, yeah. And that no regulatory agency is going to be able to... Um, to regulate that without sufficient standards. And right now, even the FDA has admitted that they don't know the amount of chemicals the American public is being exposed to. And I find that appalling. Yeah, it's actually... These additives are all in our food. We don't know how many we're consuming per day. We don't know how many we're consuming per week, per year, per our lifetime to even study the cumulative effect. And what I'm saying is that it's better to eat real food, whole food. And I tell you, when I started doing that, my life changed. Oh, yeah. I can't just stay quiet about that. Yeah. No, I'm glad you're making noise. Um, now, talk to us, like, for example, carrageenan, or I don't even know how to pronounce it properly. Carrage- carrageenan. You know, you've you've done a wonderful job getting White Wave, who owns a lot of these companies that make almond milk or whatever, uh, alternative milks, non-dairy milks, you've gotten them to, to, to decide to take that out of a lot of the products, right? Well, you know, it wasn't just my effort. You know, a lot of the, the credit goes to the Cornucopia Institute who really highlighted this issue, looked at the research, put it together in a report, and actually put together a scorecard to show which brands use it and which brands don't. Yeah. And it's um, and it's really unfortunate because this is the same case with a lot of additives um, that are allowed in our food, especially an additive that's allowed in organic food, which was really alarming. Yeah. Is that this this additive specifically has been uh, when it was approved for use, it was using a very small amount. Now it's being used in an abundance because it's in all of these nut milks that have become very, very popular and people are drinking them day in and day out all yeah. the time. Right. And for, for, for there to be any issue associated with it, I feel like there's no reason to use that chemical any longer. And so 
when you do consume that uh, that chemical, if you have intestinal issues or are prone to that or even uh, just have a weak stomach or anything, you can have some intestinal issues. And there has been some studies that show that degraded carotene and, uh, can combine with uh, undergraded carotene and, and, um, and cause some, some type of cancer. So, you know, there, there are studies that show that there is some concern with these ingredients, and right. I think we should take precautionary principle that we should be using these ingredients if there are concern, especially with kids, people who, you know, these additives are just invented in the last 30 years. Yeah. They have not been around for centuries. Um, and so we're, it, this is a massive experiment we're doing on our bodies, and I don't want to be part of that experiment. Right. I want to opt out. Yeah, that and the GMOs and the other things. I mean, you know, in our daily world, we're encountering toxins from other sources as well. So it all mixes up, and we really, I'm, I'm all about, um, um, you know, minimizing, minimizing my exposure. But I'm, I'm really just so motivated and inspired by, by your energy and by the way that you have gathered sort of people. And your blog has motivated, inspired people to charge along with you, um, whether it be by text, uh, Twitter, marching into a company, uh, phone calls. Um, How has your blog evolved? I mean, you know, really, you just started it for friends and family and boom, here you are. You have millions of people that follow you and and really want to get active with you. Yeah, you know, I think – the reason it's grown so fast, so quick, is that, again, um, there is a movement happening. People out there are paying attention to what is in their food. They want to know what's in their food. They're tired of being lied to, frankly, um, by the marketing messages out there. I mean, one great example is Subway. I mean, for years, they were getting away, and they're still getting away by saying, eat fresh. Yeah. They're really using all sorts of chemicals in their food that are, are man-made that you can find in things like yoga mats and, and shoe rubber. Yeah. And people Yuck. need to know that whatever the, the food industry is using the term, they need to look a little deeper. They need to look at the ingredient list, find out what's actually in that food before deciding to put it in your body. And I think one of the key things that I like to communicate is that nobody else decides what you put in your mouth. You are the only one that decides that. And so use that right and use that power for your health and for your well-being. I mean, I tell you right now, there's no way I would have been able to start blogging and, and do all of this writing and research outside of my, my corporate job. I wasn't taking care of my body, and I wasn't feeling great. Because I tell you, my brain just didn't work as well when I was eating these processed foods. Oh, it's so true. And so, and so there's a, a miraculous thing that you can do to your own life when you start to eat healthy. You can start to give back to the world. And I tell you, if, um, you know, if there's one thing that you do when you, know, you think about uh, what legacy you want to leave um, when you die, and what you want to leave this world behind with, it should be a re- that you lived the best life possible that you could, and you gave back to everyone around you, including your friends and your family and everyone around you, and you really can't do that when you're not feeling well. Well, I just, yeah, I am right on board with that, because I know that to do what, what I'm doing, which isn't even probably as much as you're doing, uh, I have to have energy. I have to have a clear mind. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of other elements in the world that try to thwart that as it is. So I don't need to do it to myself by, you know, mm-hmm. clouding myself with sugar and additives and all those things. So I am so on board. 
Love, love, love what you're doing. Really, I'm so grateful you took some time out of your busy schedule to speak to us today. And uh, I hope you'll come back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you. All right. Good luck. And everybody check out food. Is it food, foodbabe.com, right? Yeah, foodbabe.com. And we'll put it on our website as well. Thanks. Thank you. And, um, you know, I just want you to know that, you know, I have a new book coming out February 10th, and I think this is going to air around then. Oh, yeah. And, um, and this book is really the book that I wish I had when I started figuring this stuff out. Yeah. And I tell you, there's new investigative material in it. I'll teach you how to eat at every restaurant in America, how to avoid as many toxins as possible, and show you the, the sickening 15 ingredients to avoid. And so I hope you read it, you join the revolution, and join the Food Babe Army and help me. Um, fight for a better food system as well as getting your own body healthy. Oh, you bet. What's the name of the book? Food Babe Way. Oh, that's the Food Babe Way. I'm sorry. I meant to ask about it initially. I thought it was already out. Yeah, people, we're definitely going to be on that one. All right. Thanks, Food Babe. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that as much as they did. Please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. For more fun podcasts and information on the Green Divas and low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. You've been listening to the Green Divas radio show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. 